Hey, it's Steve Balton, and you're here on My Turning Point. And when I started this show a couple years ago, I started with a small wish list of artists. Right at the top of that list was Alice in Wonderland, who's become one of my favorite people in music. Finally, two years later, got a chance to reconnect with her. And as you will see, it is an incredible interview. Talk about her upcoming tour, the new album Loner, which was just announced, and so much more. I absolutely love this woman and hope you enjoy this one as much as I did because this was a freaking blast. The interview kept getting postponed ages and ages and ages. I walk into Westlake studio and he's sitting there rolling this giant fucking like table of weed. And he looks at me and he's like, Forbes, finally. That's how I feel. I feel like we have been waiting for this for, what, it's been four years. It's been, yeah, I think last time we were in person as well. At the shrine, yeah. Shrine backstage, yeah. Well, that was that was PC, you know, pre-COVID. There's there's no more in-person PC, interviews. PC, yeah. B- BC, yeah, I know. I feel like BC has got a whole new meaning now. That's It's true. It's such, I mean, that's such an interesting thing in so many ways, though. It's funny, I mean... You know, well, let's. I just now I'm just curious because for you, do you miss the in person interviews? Yeah, you do. I do. I feel like you know, um, I like vibing with people, you know, one on one. I think it's always better to have a conversation where you can feel the energy and everything like that. But you know, Zoom's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Now, wait, um, where are you these days? I'm in LA. Okay. All right. Well, but see, now it's funny. For me, who's down in Long Beach, the one advantage is the not driving in traffic anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I don't ha- you don't even know if I'm wearing pants right now. Okay, wait. Actually, I was going to say that because you said you did that. You know, I don't know if you are, but I interviewed the Killers last year. The last time I had interviewed them before was also via uh, in person. And then we did Zoom and Ronnie's like, yeah, but I'm not wearing pants. You're not wearing pants. So, you know. I think that's the other thing now is for artists, they don't have to get dressed anymore. So, I mean, honestly, I would have worn this outside as well as inside. I never really get dressed properly. So that's not an issue for me. <laughs> All right. So how the fuck have you been? I've been great, dude. How are you? Interesting. These have been interesting times, but it's been fun. Like, I swear to God, I did 4,027 interviews during COVID because every artist was so bored and was like, well, shit, I can talk. I have nothing to do. I swear to God, I did 90 minutes on a Friday night with Stevie Nicks. That's, that's amazing. Um, She's like, well, I can't tour. I got nothing else to do. I'm 70-something years old. If I'm going to sit down and agree to talk to you, then, you know, I got nothing else I'm going to do. One time I actually, uh, this is a long time ago, there was an award show in, in Australia and I was like the filler DJ that played between the ads of the award show and Stevie Nicks was at the award show. And I didn't even really know. And I walked out of my dressing room, which was just like a little room. And I turned the corner, I was running down the corridor and Stevie Nicks is standing there talking to Kylie Minogue. And I just went like this and they stopped and they saw me and I just went, what the fuck? And then ran away. That's my only interaction with Stevie Nicks. Well, you didn't even say hi. I was so shocked. I was just like, can you imagine like a music fan running around a corner, not expecting Stevie Nicks in Australia talking to Kylie Minogue? I was just like, what the fuck? Like I mouthed it and looked them straight in the <laughs> eye and ran off. I didn't know what to do. That's fair. 
And that's funny. Would you know what to do today? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think I would still kind of be, I don't know, maybe I would be, I don't know. It was more just the shock factor. I think if I knew she was going to be there, I would have been a little bit more composed, but I didn't. And I'm like, that's fucking Stevie Nicks. Just standing there. But also with Kylie Minogue. So there you go. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, I nearly knocked them over. It was, it was, it was a whole thing. And no one else got to see that. It's my memory that no one else ever saw. I remember Garth was actually in, Garth, do you remember this at the Arias? No. <laughs> it's all right. Well, see, so, but again, I also like the fact though that you wouldn't necessarily know what to do today because I don't think you should ever lose that sense of fandom. Oh my God. You should see, like, it's always the most niche artist too that I'm like, I, I just, I'm like, hello, Hudson Mohawk. When I met Hudson Mohawk, still to this day, if he sends me a message on Instagram, um, I don't know what to do. I'm so such a, you know, I, I love music. I'm a music lover. So yeah, when I, when I, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be the same probably. <laughs> All right. So, so your, well, like I said, so that was part of my COVID experience, your COVID experience, you actually got to make new music. My COVID experience was yes, very much um, album oriented. Um, it was a really weird time for me actually. And this album was written during that weird time. Um, And yeah, I think this is by far the best body of work I've ever made. Um, I'm really proud of this. I could have made this album a different way or decided to go in a different direction with it, but I really, really thought it was important that I stayed honest with what I was doing and um, didn't... Like, I actually have no collabs on this album. It's just me. Um, the album's called Lona. Um, but I thought that was a big secret. I, I loved the fact that your tour was called I'm Not Yet Ready to Share by Album Title or Album I'm Artwork not. Yet. And you want to know something funny? That uh, The video that I posted was, was it a genuine conversation I had with Garth. And I'm like, well, let's just record it, what we just said. And we just recorded it in that beginning. Because <laughs> I was like, I can't. It's not the right time to say anything. Um, and I wasn't really, re- I'm not ready to share the, the name yet, but this is coming out um, after I announce it. So I could. Yes. Well, but I also love that because I think as an artist, it's funny. I just did an interview before this with a guy by the name of Donovan Woods, a Canadian singer, songwriter. And we were just, look, as an artist, man, you're never quite ready to release your shit. Like it's, who was it I was just talking with that said something so interesting to me. Fuck, I do so many interviews, it's going to bug me. But they were saying that basically for them, they, they hold on to their stuff. Maxwell, that was it. Maxwell, who's amazing. Who's, you know, freaking Maxwell. And he was saying, he's like, the reason it takes me so long between records is because once I put it out of the world, it becomes the world's. And I just want to hold on to my music for me a little longer. And I thought that was so fascinating. So for you, do you feel like that, you know- I don't get feel to- that way. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I need to get it out. Cause it's an outlet for me, you know, um, once it's out, I'm like, holy shit. Now everyone knows about my life and my personal life. And this is like some of this stuff my parents don't even know. And, you know, there's, there's that element of it. But, um, for me, like sitting on songs and not putting them out is like, gives me anxiety because I'm sitting on all this energy that I've like put into a, a piece of 
creativity that's just like sitting there. And so being able to, to get it out and, and tell an entire story for me and just like put it out there in the universe is almost like a therapeutic thing for me to just kind of like, I'm done. You know, I'm done with that feeling that I felt or that story. It's, it's out there. I, I can let it set it free and move on. Um, and that's how I feel about songs. Okay, so it's interesting. So why then are you not quite ready to show the title and and? Uh, just because um, I didn't want to release the name of the album too early, because people have goldfish memories these days. So, all right. So wait, now this is fascinating to me. You say there's stuff on the record your parents don't even know. And look, I'm a big believer in writing being subconscious. I think you and I talked about this before. Good writing is subconscious. It leads you in its own direction. So now are there things that you go back and hear on Loner that surprise you that you're just like, I didn't, you know, because also COVID was such a mindfuck for so many people. So it's interesting to go back and revisit your state of mind during that period. Are there things in there that really surprise you? Not so much surprised. Um, I think this album was very intentional for me. Um, I was very aware of how I felt when I wrote this. It was... It was more a way for me to process what had happened. And um, I had, I basically looked back on my last two albums and I went, okay, awake and run. What's the theme here? I'm the victim. Okay. Well, fuck this. I don't want to do that. You know, what's the common denominator in all of these things happening all the time? Me. So I need to look in the mirror and I need to go find power in this shitty experience. And I need to go and, become a better person and not attract things like that into my life. Um, and I just was like, no, nah, I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to win. I'm going to come out of this happy, even though it's like the worst experience I've ever had, which I'm not ready to speak about right now. Um, but uh, it was, it was a very intentional album. I wrote this because I needed to write it. <laughs> I needed to say it. I needed what had happened to be written in words and and for me like as a as a songwriter to be able to write something out and like put it out there it's it's a way of me healing um and so i basically used this whole album as a manifestation where i acknowledged what was going on but i refused to sit in that and i was like no it's going to be fine i'm going to be fine i'm going to be happy and this is actually weirdly the most hopeful album I've ever written. And it's almost like it, it, well, it did, it became a rebirth for me. And it's about finding power in being a loner. It's about finding power in loneliness. It's about finding power in the dark things and turning it into something positive and turning it into strength. And that's what this album was about. And, and, you know, when I look back and I, and I listen to all the lyrics, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And that is exactly what happened. It's, it was a very intentional thing for me this time. That's fascinating to me because, uh, well, you're from Australia. Nick Cave, who's like the Australian god, he was telling me once that to him, as he writes, you're always writing what it is you're longing for. So he was telling me that like, if you're happy, you write sad songs. And if he, he was telling me that he fucking wrote in your, Into My Arms and you strung out in a church somewhere. You know, and so it's interesting for you that you say that this is a manifestation. So as you wrote for needing that victory, did you start to feel the victory from the songs? I'm a way better person um, 
and happier person because of this album. I feel so strong and I feel like in the darkest, like literally the worst thing that ever happened to me in my entire life, hands down. One day you're going to hear the story and you're going to message me and be like, holy fuck. Um, I, I came out of it better. Like it, it, because I didn't, you know, I, I could have just sat in this and, you know, being a victim and, you know, I just refused to take the L and I was like, no, um, you can throw all this shit at me as much as you want, but I'm going to come out on top. I'm going to come out happy, you know? Um, and I did like, I genuinely feel like I am a lot closer to happiness than I ever have been. Um, and I hope that this album helps other people realize that like in the darkest of times, the only person that's going to be there for you is you. Um, truly no one else. The only person that can change things is you. The only thing guaranteed in life is change. And the only thing that you can control is how you react to that change. Because one thing I did learn is that you can literally have your entire life completely taken from you in the matter of one minute, everything can change. And um, what you decide to do with that is on you. And it is hard to, to, to come out of it happy. But if, but when you do, it's like, I really did that. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and, you know, you see parents buying their kids cars, right. And those kids don't have to work for the cars and they're driving these cars around. Well, I never had that. I I bought my own car, but, um, Oh God, did I love that car because I, I worked so hard to save up for that car that like to this day, like, I love that car. It wasn't a very cool, special car, but like I did that. Like I worked hard. There's value in where I got to because I worked for it and it wasn't easy. And it's like a weird analogy, but like, you know, um, there's just like a lot that I now, uh, there's a, I'm, I see life from a very different perspective because I was forced to look in the mirror and be like, yo, you're going to make some fucking changes or like you're going to be stuck in this, mentality forever so make some changes because no one's going to do it for you and I know you don't want to feel like this I don't know I know you don't want to like life's going to suck sometimes but like I know that you can prove to yourself that you're not going to be a victim and I was like all right let's do it (laughs) it's going to suck and then um you know the first uh track on my album is a song called forever which I feel like sums up my entire album Um, it was, uh, I was sitting in a Starbucks drive-thru during the pandemic with my friend Trent and I was crying, um, to him, like, like bawling my eyes out being like, I'm doing everything I can to make everything okay. And the universe keeps taking shit from me and it's beyond my control at this point. Like, and I don't understand. And like, I don't know why nothing is going right for me. I don't get it. And like, it's nothing that I can fix. It's just situational. And I was crying. I'm like, it feels like this is going to happen forever because I just have, I keep trying and nothing's working. And he looked at me and he was like, 
it'll feel like forever until it doesn't. And I just looked up at him and I went, oh my God. And uh, that's like the a re- repeating line in the, fir- in the intro of my album is it'll feel like forever until it doesn't. And it, it will, like, it's going to be tough. <laughs> and one day you'll be like, oh, but it, it's going to be hard to, to, to make changes and like be better. It's hard. It's very easy to do nothing and just stay the same. It's really hard to look at yourself and be like, you kind of suck for this, 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 or you can be better at this, or you need boundaries. Like it, it's hard to do that. And it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but like, you know, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. So this album was like me being like, yeah, this is a very horrible thing that happened. You don't have to feel sorry for me. I'm fine. And like, I wasn't, but I am. And I believe that anyone can, can work hard to try and do that mentally. Right, by the way, I just realized that this whole time I didn't have video on and you were talking about vibing with people. So my bad. So even though there's a big glare in the back. So now you can see my faces. I'm actually, I mean, this is fascinating. I guess, you know, I definitely don't want to press an issue, but for you with this record, do you feel like then people will know what happened or do you keep it so vague in the record that people won't be able to figure it out? Uh, I think some people might work it out. Um, but it's again, like, I'm not really ready to talk about this. It's an extremely sensitive topic um, until I'm ready. No, I, I totally get that. That's interesting for you. So you say forever. Well, okay, obvious question. Does it still feel like forever? No, it feels like everything. It feels like the next forever. You know, you once you pass that forever, you get to the next forever. But you're better off than the last forever. So you're like, okay, well, I'm equipped with these tools now. I have this knowledge. I have this wisdom. I have this experience. So the next forever is going to suck too, but it's not that forever. And I know that I've gotten out of other forevers. So it'll, it's fine. You know, like it's, it's just, everything's always a cycle, but it's, it's like how you react to it, which gives you the tools to get through it. Yeah. No, it's interesting then let's take this to the stage because we're talking about the shrine show and because it is, you know, your most hopeful album. And it's an interesting thing as well because people have been so starved for the community, the, commu- the communal feeling that comes from shows. Although I know you've done some shows during this period, right? Like I feel like at this point now people have. Yeah. I did so Red Rocks and like Lola and EDC. So for you, talk about though getting to do then your own set, your own shows. First of all, how much of the new material would you be playing live? I mean, most of it, Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to work it all in because I just have I'm like fuck like what can I take what what can I should I take out because like people will always be upset if I take something out you know um but you know that's a blessing and curse of releasing more music and having people like songs so so what for you are there are there one or two songs that you are because look another thing that I was just talking about with this guy earlier is when you bring a song to the stage it changes the crowd makes it their own as soon as the crowd hears it so what songs from this record, especially because, as you say, it's a record of hope and empowerment, are you most excited to see how people respond to live? Forever. I think Forever is like going to be live, really euphoric for people. Um, I actually previewed it at Red Rocks and everyone was like, <gasps> you know, and um, the visuals to that song came to me weirdly while I was tripping on shrooms. Um, I don't know if I can say that. I can probably, who cares? They're going to legalize it anyway at some point. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. So I was, I accidentally, um, okay. 
someone was like, hey, you should try microdosing. And I was like, okay, sounds cool. And um, I tried to microdose one day when I was at home. I think I overdosed. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually on the phone to my old uh, visuals guy who's still a friend of mine. And we were just catching up. And I was like, which is weird because it, we weren't talking about work. We were just catching up and I'm talking to him and an hour's gone past and everything's fine. And I start like making, I was making um, sausages on a pan and all of a sudden the pan started like, <laughs> turning into rubber. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I look up and the whole room is like breathing and like everything's all of a sudden sepia colored. And it's just, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have to call you back. Like, I'm tripping balls right now. And so I get off the phone and um, I, I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> I make sure I turn the stove off and I'm like, I'm about to get like really high. And so um, I actually just bought an Oculus like that day. And I'm like, well, maybe if I, cause I, you know, I wasn't prepared for this. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, maybe if I put this Oculus on and like program it. So I'm like sitting at the beach, I can like ride this out. And so I'm sitting <laughs> alone at home with this oculus on like on a beach somewhere like tripping out and then all of a sudden I get this image in my head of um like this colorful stained glass like just like the visual for um for forever I I got it in my head and I was like I saw the choir I saw how it was going to start I saw everything this is before I'd finished even the album I just saw it and I called Garth and I still had my oculus on Siri, call Garth. Call Garth, and he picks up and like Garth. I need you to write this down because I'm not sure if this is a bad idea or an amazing idea. But I'm tripping balls. He's like, "Why do you have your Oculus on?" And then, um, and then uh, the next day, I revisited. I'm like, "Yeah, no, this is brilliant." And then uh, we tried it out at um, Red Rocks, and when I look back at it, it was exactly what I saw in my head when I was tripped. Like exactly, and it was so weird to see. You know, it's it's like a really rare feeling for a creative, or like I don't think that many people in the world get to feel this when there's something that you literally see in your head as a creative. And then it materializes not only like sonically, but like visually into exactly what you saw in real life. And that's what happened to me. And I was just like, Oh my God, I was right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's a second, but yeah, I do think I'm, I, I think I'm most excited about that live just because of the experience I had and like, you know, I, I know that I was like, so I am still so excited about that. So. So that's such a cool thing as well. Well, wait, let's talk about the the next single, A New Day, because, and it's interesting. So, which is a great song, but it's interesting. So do you obviously, for everything we're talking about in connection with the record and the theme of the record, A New Day is such an appropriate title. Is that the recurring theme throughout the record? Just like you say, starting over, but also the fact that everything can feel new. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, acknowledging what's going on, but, you know, remembering that tomorrow, hopefully you're going to wake up, your two feet will be on the ground and it will be a new day and you can try your best. And if it doesn't work, at least, you know, you tried your best. And then the next day is going to be another day. And then the next day is going to be another day. And thinking about stuff like that, it keeps me going during times where I feel hopelessness. Um, And I just really believe that, you know, w- humans react so strongly to negativity. It's just how we're wired. It's a primal thing because 
you know, back in the day, fear and negativity would stick with us more because it would help us learn and be and survive because we'd be like, oh, touch this fire. Oh, hot, burnt me, bad. You think about that. And then you always traumatize that by that. So you learn not to do that ever. But the good things, it's never like, it's never, um, remember, you can, you can survive with positive thought as much as negative experiences. So I wanted to kind of bring that to life. See, it's such an interesting thing too, because now I'm remembering in our last interview, we spent a lot of time talking about Billy Corgan, right? We also talked about Chef. I know, I knew you were going to bring up Billy Corgan. Well, but it's interesting. And the reason why is it's funny. I do, I love Billy, right? He's Billy's amazing. But what I love about it, right, is, look, there's that feeling of being a fan. Yeah. And the power of music for you. And for you, do you feel like making this record during what was obviously a traumatic time, it also sort of re sort of, I guess, solidified your, your love of me or, or sort of, again, that it becomes an outlet, like you say, and knowing that music can still have that influence on you has got to feel really good in one respect of knowing that like, okay, this is something that you've loved your whole life that you can still turn to. I mean, I've never doubted it. It's like the only thing that I really feel like I've always been able to turn to. So it wasn't even me remembering it. It was like, of course, this is making me feel this way because it always has. Um, and so I wasn't surprised by it. Um, I feel more proud, if anything. Like, I feel very proud of this um, body of work. And I, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if anyone's going to care about it. Like, they might not. But even if they don't, like, this is just such a real and honest, like, take on shit um sonically you know i experimented with more organic sounds you know as a juxtaposition to like the more digital like synthesized sounds that i'm using and i've really learned where my voice sits best and i i i i think i've be i think lyrically i've become a better communicator so you know this the thing about being an artist is is you're always growing and so i mean like in that's in in that Part of it, I, I I was like, wow, you know, I listened to Alvin and I was like, I'm really, really proud of this. Um, but in terms of being like, oh, music's always been there for me. I mean, I it has. So I've never really, I've never lost that. So, Yeah, which is awesome that you've never lost that. Because I think I've talked to so many artists about the fact that, you know, I think for anything that you do over periods of time, look, it's like a marriage, a relationship, like whatever you know, at points you need to rededicate yourself to it. You sort of need to re... Yeah. I think also like, um, you know, after I wrote the album, I didn't go on my computer for a bit. And then like, it's it's about balance. And, and um, you know, I, I listen to things that aren't electronic, you know, especially when I'm writing an album, I do not listen to electronic music. So it's, uh, I don't really listen to anything when I'm making an album. I can't. Um, I find it very difficult, possibly because I'm like sitting listening to so much music all day that like getting off that and like listening to music still, it's like my brain needs a break. Um, But, you know, whether it be listening to music or creating it, um, there's something about the fact that every sound is actually just a tiny little vibration individual to the other one. And they all kind of sit together as friends. And I just think that's really crazy and cool. Well, it's interesting because you say you didn't really listen to music. And I actually have talked to a lot of artists who can't listen to music when they're making great, in part because either they're listening to so much, like you say, or, you know, they don't want to be influenced. 
consciously or subconsciously by what they're listening to. But for you, was there stuff then that as you make this record and you think about, as you say, putting so much of yourself into it, like what are those records for you that really speak to you from back in the day in terms of their sort of vulnerability? And it's funny that you say you don't know about anybody caring about it. I actually think it's the opposite. I think as an artist, the more you put of yourself into a record, the more people care about it. I mean, maybe, but I also think that um, social media has like fucked the music industry up a little bit. So who knows if anyone's going to notice. Um, well, but social media has fucked everything in a little bit, but I still think that, you know, if you put yourself into a record and it's interesting because I think what happens then is people are able to connect more so because with social media, they're able to talk to you all the time or, you know, again, I'm looking at your Twitter and people are freaking have tattoos of you and, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't like to kind of think too much into that. My perspective of myself is literally I wake up, take my dog for a walk, sit and make music. I'm not like out there. I don't want to ever think anything more than that. And, you know, when someone gets a tattoo uh, to me of like my stuff, um, it reminds me never to be whack. It reminds me to always make the best music I can. And it reminds me to be grateful for the people that do listen to my music. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't want, I don't, you know, from being in this industry this long, I don't like sit and go, and expect this to be a world hit. Like it's not really, I, I just want to be honest. And that's, if that's what I can offer as an artist, like that's what I can offer. And I, and if it hits five people the right way and changes them and helps them out of something, that's more important to me at this point, I think. I agree with you hundred percent, but it's interesting then. I was smiling as you were talking about that, by the way, because Joel Deadmau5 is a good friend. And he and I were talking about this not long ago, the fact that he's like, people always find my life so fascinating. He's like, if they could actually see the everyday minute of it. If there was a real documentary about it, he's like, fucking sit around, play video games, like try and get motivated to do work. You know, I, I think there's a, a glamour. So wait, what kind of dog do you have? This is an important question. <laughs> she's um, a Shih Tzu cross poodle. Her name's Molly. She's 10 years old. She's my best friend. <laughs> she's been with me through everything. Yeah, they are the best. Yep. Mine's sitting, mine's sitting there asleep on the floor right now. Like, dude, get up already. Enough. <laughs> back to back interviews. But let's go back for a second. We'll wrap up in a minute. But I am curious about the sort of vulnerability. Are there, you know, and Billy, for example, is great at this, but he's not the only one. Those artists who put them. But it's funny because, again, you look at a record like Melancholy, for example, right? And sure, there's hits on there like 1979, you know, but that was never my favorite song. It's like a song like um, Muzzle. Dude, like the, the lyrical depth of that, and that's Billy just putting himself out there. And I think that's the type of stuff that people connect with on a deep level. So for you, what are those artists, those songs that you think back to that where you sort of first understood how much you can put of yourself into a song? I mean, it's kind of like always being the things that I've resonated to have been like the most honest artist. Like I'm like LCD sound system, like everything James Murphy writes, like I feel is so literal and I really re like resonate with people that are so literal. Um, obviously Smashing Pumpkins. Um, I mean, sonically the knife, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a little more cryptic with the lyrics, but I still feel something with it. And I think it's not just always lyrics that make you feel something. It's intention and it's like spirit behind what you're saying. And it's, the human side of it. Um, so 
yeah, it, 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 sometimes it's just about feel for me, you know, um, because I feel like, you know, you think about body language or tone, you can feel what someone's saying, even if I just went, hmm, like you, you could know something. Um, and so I think it's not always just about lyrics. It's about the whole thing for me. Yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So what do you want to add? I didn't ask you about, cause we covered a lot and there's it's, uh, clearly, it's funny. This is like, I feel like I'm going to guess too, having done 8,622 interviews in my life. You haven't done many interviews of late, have you? No. <laughs> there's clearly, there's a lot that is just like not quite ready to, so it's like, it's funny. It's like stepping your toe back in the water after you haven't been in it in a long time. It's not even that. It's just like the, the, you know, there are some things that I just made a rule with myself that I, unless I'm like seriously ready to talk about, I just can't. And yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. It's not even really about not doing that many interviews. It's, it's more just like, you know, I need people to just respect that until I'm ready. That's all. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. And it's interesting too, because then also there's also the fact of, you know, from an artist standpoint, and I was just talking about this little guy earlier. Sometimes it's also just best just to freaking let your music talk for you. Exactly. Um, As Donovan and I were joking about, and I've joked about with so many artists, you were, a lot of times you don't have to think about these things until some asshole journalist asks you these questions. <laughs> Lucky you're not an asshole. Um, but, uh, but I've done this enough to know that there are artists who think every artist journalist is an asshole. So it's all good. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think, that well, no, I think people, some journalists are assholes for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, you know, it's funny you say that because my favorite thing that I was ever told when I was at school was let your art speak for you, and I still to this day kind of hold that close to me. Well, it's also hard too when you're like you say, you're sitting on it and you have so much you want to say, yeah, and you can't share it yet, so you know. I feel I like I'll be it sucks, but we should do a round two, you know? I was just going to say, I was literally just going to say, and the next time we'll do in person after I've heard the whole record. I would love that. Like, honestly, love that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I always love talking to you. So, yeah. It, uh, well, we definitely don't need to wait another four years, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Nikki says, yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, we should wait like a few months. <laughs> yeah. Do, is there a release date yet for the album? I know it's being announced in a couple of weeks, but is there? Yeah, a there yet? is. Um, May sixth. Okay. Can I say that? Who cares? Well, yeah, because this isn't running till afterwards anyway. Okay. Just tweet it today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Steve Balton. You've been listening to my turning point with special guest Alice in Wonderland. Thanks. When it comes to LASIK, Dr. Boutros and the Eye Center have led the way for the past 25 years. Today, this tradition continues by being one of the few practices in the country to offer you iDesign 2.0, using the same technology as the NASA James Webb Telescope. And in the hands of an elite surgeon like Dr. Boutros, more patients are seeing 2020 or better after LASIK. Right now, enjoy 20% off iLASIK with iDesign. Go to theeyecenter.com or call 888-844-2020. Some restrictions apply. 
If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.